You're listening to Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes Wednesdays and Saturdays. Follow Hockey to Heroin on Twitter. That's at Hockey, the number two heroin for updates and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Brady Leavitt, like any other Canadian kid, his dream was to play in the National Hockey League. Success came easily to Leopold as he began to turn heads in the junior leagues. A late pass for Long, he's got Leopold with him. Long walks in, Sanders, goal! Leopold's a right-hand shot, rotates, and then sends it along back to Leopold. And here we go, right off the bat, a fight ensues. And it's Leavold and Kerr, and they're both getting in shots. Now Leavold throwing right after right and just connecting like crazy. Once I met heroin, I mean, it was just, that became my new passion. What's the reason that young people who are athletes get addicted to heroin? They injure themselves, and they're more likely to be prescribed an opioid. And once addicted, many are going to switch over to heroin because it's much more cost-effective. And the effects that they produce in the brain are indistinguishable. When we talk about painkillers, we're essentially talking about heroin pills. Welcome back to another edition of Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery. This is Brady Liebold coming at you guys from Morrisburg, Ontario, the Thompson residence, guys. I am at Matt Thompson's house and his girlfriend, Caitlin. Uh, wow. Uh, I'm going to get into that in a moment. Uh, but hopefully, if you're listening, you're listening on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can check them out anywhere on social media at HockeyPodNet and their website, www.thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Guys, I'm not recording, obviously, in the Matthew Lazinski Memorial Studio because I'm in Morseburg. Uh, but like, like everywhere I go, uh, my podcasting gear comes with me, uh, and so does the plaque in memory of Matthew Lazinski. So uh, we're in the makeshift Matthew Lazinski Memorial Studio in Matt Thompson's basement. Uh, and actually, uh, I have two of these plaques that Chad Balka made, and uh, I was able to give Matt uh, one of them. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was an emotional... Uh, moment uh, gave it to him and it brought him to tears and uh, gave him a hug and uh, it was it was a beautiful moment and uh, you know I'm just I'm so lucky and grateful to be alive but I wanted to share the story about yesterday so Matt uh, lives in Morrisburg it's near Ottawa and uh, it's four and a half hours from where I live in Muskoka roughly and he left his house at six in the morning with uh, Bubba uh, <laughs> Bubba Wesnick who uh, is uncle uh, is arguably one of the toughest NHL enforcers ever. Uh, and they drove down to pick me up yesterday, and they picked me up, and then we drove straight back. Uh, and, man, it was a long day for him, uh, but he came just to get me. We're getting on the ice today. I'm getting on the ice for the first time in eight years with full equipment as part of the Maxwell Mustangs practice today uh, or a scrimmage, whatever we're doing. Uh, really looking forward to that. Uh, super, super, super excited. Uh, but at the same time, I'm very, very nervous. Um, all of this is, you know, 
been an incredible incredible experience you know after launching the first episode of hockey to heroin road to recovery and spamming facebook as i always tell the story and matt thompson being one of the ones that that heard the story and, and sharing the story of matthew lazinski with me who is his best friend and uh, unfortunately passed away in 2017 uh, to a to an overdose and his story it should have been me multiple times it was me and luckily i was um, brought back to life with narcan several times um, but you know, I, every day I just, I, I look in the mirror in the morning, I wash my face off and I'm just like, you know, you're lucky Brady. So face this day and be grateful, um, and be a grateful human being and just be the best person you can be and just try to be a good person, you know? And, uh, Matt Thompson's been a huge part of that by sharing the story of Matthew Lozinski with me. And now everything that I'm doing uh, through Hockey to Heroin Road to Recovery, uh, my message, uh, and especially the Puck Sport Foundation is, you know, in Matthew Lozinski's honor. And of course, everyone else that we've lost as well. Um, the podcast is, you know, one thing, but the Puck Sport Foundation is where my heart truly lies. And the Puck Sport Foundation was created uh, because Matt Thompson shared the story of Matthew Lazinski with me and then after that the outpours of stories of men and women in the hockey community struggling with mental health and addiction either past or present and some of them were no longer here to even tell their stories um, I was like man something needs to be done something has to be done um, and again this is not about me I am a small small piece in this I'm not in charge of the money. I'm not in charge of nothing. I'm just a soldier for the Puck Sport Foundation. Am I the founder, one of them, me and Matt Thompson? Yeah, but at the end of the day, I'm not in charge. I am not qualified to be in charge. Um, certainly not yet anyways, and I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with, with not being qualified to run this foundation <laughs> because guess what? I want it to be a world-class foundation with world-class leaders that not only I can learn from, but other people can learn from. And not only learn from, but we can help people and we can bring in the best people so that people can get the help that they need so that we can stop seeing these things happen, stop seeing these headlines. And in some cases, not even headlines because after they're done playing in junior or their parents or whatever, they're just normal people. You don't even hear about it. People are suffering in silence. Well, guess what? The Puck Sport Foundation's here. We're here. Uh, yes, it's all new. Uh, we're building, but we're already helping people. And Ashley Langdon's doing such a fabulous job out in Edmonton. He's got uh, somebody staying with him. I'm not going to say who, but um, it's uh, it's been remarkable. And uh, it's you know we're we're able to help people even now. Uh, without you know having the financial resources we, we really have nothing uh, but we're building and we're going to have something so special we need people to get involved so email us please team at pucksupport.com that's t-e-a-m at pucksupport.com and if you follow me on social media you know all about the gratitude crusade in memory of matthew lazinski wow has this been just something incredible so the gratitude crusade i started off by naming some things I'm grateful for and some people that I'm grateful for. And then those people were nominated to do the same thing, make a video, uh, name three things you're grateful for and three people you're grateful for. And then it carries on. And if you're nominated and you don't do it, you got to pay $50 to the Pucksport Foundation's GoFundMe page in Matthew Lazinski's name. We're already at $1,245. The goal is $25,000. We need way more than that. Uh, way more than $25,000. We're going to need $25 million uh, and keep building. Uh, but thank you so much, guys. Um, these initial uh, donations are what help build this 
foundation. So they're the, maybe the most important ones uh, in the very beginning. So thank you guys. We could not do it without you. Uh, but we need more help. Please check it out. Go fund me. I'm going to post a link in the description. Follow me on social media at Hockey to Heroin, at Hockey to Heroin Podcast, at Puck Support, at Gratitude Crusade, and at Pucks and Plants. Guys, I know there's a lot there, but we have a lot going on with uh, different avenues um, and just bringing resources and information uh, to the hockey community uh, just to bring change, guys. Um, and the Gratitude Crusade has, has been so huge. Uh, the people that have taken part in making the videos, wow. So many people were nervous to do it, and I understand it's not easy, but that's all part of it, getting out of your comfort zone. And so you start listing these things that you're grateful for and the people that you're grateful for. You start living with the attitude of gratitude. All of a sudden, you know, these hard moments, they're just hard moments. They're no bad days. You know, we we're able to snap out of that. I said it before, I have an alarm in my phone five times a day. It says, stop, be grateful, you're alive. So it doesn't matter what's going on in my day. My phone goes off, my alarm could be having a bad moment or whatever. Boom, it snaps me out of it. Hey, Brady, you're alive. Stop being ungrateful. Let's go, man. Like, you're alive. Stop acting this way. Let's go be positive. You know what I mean? And, and then, boom, I'm back into back into that, that perspective of being grateful and positive. And then I carry on with my day. It's extremely powerful. Uh, so thank you to everyone that's taken part in the Gratitude Crusade, guys. Uh, the, the outpour of support for the people that have done the videos has been incredible incredible so thank you for getting out of your comfort zone that's all part of it too uh it's been amazing 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 to see um lots going on too if you want to help me we're having the three-on-three -three tournament in muskoka i just got an email from the township uh of huntsville got the a-ok -okay, uh for the tournament so the green light or green lit so let's go um it's uh i'm yeah, I got the email last night, and I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's go. So the three-on-three tournaments, uh, it's it's happening. But again, we need help. We need support. Uh, anybody that's good at organizing, uh, please feel free. Like I said, give us an email, team at pucksupport.com. I don't have a ton of time with my guest again, but guess what? We could do it all again, part three, if we have to. Um, but before uh, we say anything else, you know this episode is proudly brought to you by Team Issue Limited. Team Issue is connecting all walks of life. Team Issue does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goals. Guys, check it out. Teamissue.ca. Promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase. And I say it all the time. That was my go-to move. They called me Tommy Toadrag uh, in Kelowna for a reason. And, and maybe we could talk about that as, as the episode progresses. Uh, but before anything else, I say anything else. I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in, for listening. Um, you know, I understand. I truly understand now that life is precious. Um, each moment we have uh, is extremely valuable. Uh, and I never used to live my life that way. You know, I would just, uh, I was kind of on autopilot and I just kind of cruised through life and took things for granted and took advantage of situations and didn't really work hard and, you know, kind of, you know, but I now know that a lot of it was my mental health and, and other stuff going on um, and obviously my addiction. Uh, but now guys, you know, just the little things um, mean a lot to me. Um, you know, I don't take anything for granted anymore. At least I, I try my best not to. I'm not going to lie. Things get uh, extremely difficult. But before I get into the episode, I just really want to um, hit home 
that I truly appreciate that you're listening um, because, you know, each as each second passes in our life, that's a second that we'll never get back. So if you're listening to me talk, that's you spending your valuable time here on earth listening to what I have to say. So uh, it's my hope that uh, you hear something in this episode uh, that can either help you or someone that you know um, in their journey in hockey or life or whatever. So I just wanted to say that. Um, but without further ado, let's get right in to episode 47. Leavold tips it back into Portland territory. Goaltender White will leave it there for Ryan Kerr. Meantime, here comes Colin Long. Plus 13 is his plus minus on the Kelowna Rockets team. He had a terrific month of November, 19 points, and he's a plus eight as of the end of the calendar month. I said it last night, Colin Long, I don't know what other Bantam 11th round pick. 11th rounder is leading his team in scoring. Phenomenal. Long now, dishes it off back to Ben. Now Colin Long again. Kelowna back at full strength. Here's a long lead pass for Long, and he hit the post. Long going to the far side, hits the goal post, and the score remains 1-0. This time he goes over to Long. Nothing doing there. Barry again, quickly passes it to Shin. Long shot. Long now gives chase. Long again off these half boards. Long, lots of room, now come off the boards to Shin. Stopped and where is it? Long brings it in. Delchar sends it in. Leibold made him pay a price for playing the puck as he bodies him. Leibold now with possession. Gets it back out here to the center ice area where Long can't quite get his stick on it. Here's Barry now the side. Barry back on the goal. Barry side of the goal. Long. Colin Long beats the netminder and the Kelowna Rockets win it in overtime. 7-6 the final score. Tyson Barry proactive offensively back by the goal. Sent it to the side and somehow, some way, Long found the puck and got it through. And the Rockets pick up the two points in this one. Long again, shooting, score! Another goal for this season. It's his 12th of the year on the power play, and it's 2-0 Rockets. Scoring, Colin Long, the second star, two goals, one assist, team leading 38 points in the season. I, uh, it was during the, um, a game one time, and someone pissed me off on the other team who was a tough guy, and we were on the bench, and I'm like, hey, believer, can you fucking fight that guy? And you went out next shift and just jumped him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what I do for my bros, man. That's how much uh, that's how much I had your back, and I still do. And, and I'm proud. All right, guys. Uh, without further ado, uh, part two 
with my former line mate. Uh, if I hope that you guys listened. If you haven't listened to the first one, you might as well just uh, stop it right now and go back uh, one episode. Um, before I bring him in, uh, wow. Um, it's been a pretty cool couple days uh, being able to stay in contact with him a little bit more now and, and setting up this interview. And uh, just, you know, now thinking about all the stuff these past couple days since that episode, uh, it's it's been really nice and bringing back some great memories. I've talked about it all the time. Uh, 2007, 2008, Kelowna Rockets is by far the best year of hockey in my life, um, on and off the ice. Um, and uh, one of the biggest reasons for that uh, was Colin Long, who is uh, arguably my best friend on that team. We, we ate together every day after practice. We rode to the rink together most days, um, and uh, we played on the same line together. Uh, and if you guys listen to the first one, uh, I mentioned the coolest thing that I, I experienced in playing hockey was getting him his 100th point. I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, but without further ado, let's bring him in. He's, he's still in Germany, uh, unless he came back to California in the last three days and he didn't tell me. Uh, Colin Long. What's up, buddy? Hey, nice to be back. Thanks for having me. Hey, man. You're uh, the standing invitation. Uh you can come on this show whenever you want, buddy. Uh, I'm I'm extremely uh, I feel privileged, honored, on straight up to to get you on. And uh, it was no secret I, I wanted to to get you on way earlier. I don't really think you knew exactly the parameters of what I was doing and what it entailed. So, um, but however, I, I appreciate you you coming on, and and the time difference can be challenging sometimes. Uh, but it was a great episode. I, I've got a ton of great feedback. And uh, I had a chance to speak with your mom on the phone, actually. I, she texted me and I just called her and uh, it was really nice to connect with her. Um, she's such a sweet lady. She actually reminds me of my Auntie Lee, who I often talk about as being like the nicest, sweetest lady in the world. Um, she kind of has the same mannerisms and, and talks the same way. So it was really nice to, to hear from her and she gave me a little bit update about what uh, Steve is up to and your sister Jacqueline and that. So uh, it, was, it was really nice. We talked for 10, 15 minutes and uh, it, was, uh, it was really nice to connect and like she said uh you know i've only played with you for uh, the short period there whatever it was the, the eight months in Kelowna, um but they were there quite quite often and uh you know we developed a friendship and i'm just so appreciative of that and it was just it's such a neat thing eh? the hockey community it's so it's such a tight-knit community I, I didn't really realize it at first um i kind of understood but now just in these past few months i'm like wow man like we all kind of know each other in some way and mean the parents and yeah. everything so it's been nice so i just wanted to quickly say that uh uh but uh you know you you've been fishing did you were uh, out fishing for carp were you joking or were you serious what, what's wrong with carp <laughs> when i think of carp i think of the the fat kid from mighty ducks the defenseman that takes a <laughs> shot in the face carp yeah carp. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, in this area here, it's like farmland. Yeah. It's the, the city I'm living in is called München Gladbach with, um, with my wife. And uh, that's where she's from. It's like, in, it's like 30 minutes from Dusseldorf and it's farm country. So all they have is the, are these little kind of like man-made pond park, park deals, um, which is typical Germany. Like they don't have a lake, so they'll just make one. Oh, that's cool. At least you can get out there and fish, right? Like it's. Hey, you know. it was my mom's birthday yesterday. So oh, was like it? Happy birthday! Happy yeah. birthday to her! Yeah, yeah happy birthday, uh, Mrs. Long. Uh, that's happy birthday, Mrs. Long. That's right, man. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Um, Wait a sec. I did not know Mitch Fadden is dead. Yeah, man. He passed what? away. He passed away from an overdose, bud. Yeah. 
Oh my god! Yeah. So get this. this I, is... I heard he was having a tough time. Uh, I don't know when I heard that, and I don't, I don't know when he died. But like, yeah. So we were we were we were always cool. Yeah. So get this. Jesus so Christ. so if you don't know this story, and some people would would know this because they follow me on Facebook, and when I found out, I made a video, and I was like in tears. So like, when I first started the podcast, uh, I talk about it all the time. Matthew Lazinski, who is Matt Thompson's best friend, I'm at his house right now. Well, he passed away. Um, on December seventeenth, two thousand seventeen, right? And I never knew okay. Math- I never knew Matthew Lazinski. He was same age as me. He was drafted second round of the OHL, played for the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, but some stuff found uh, whatever happened, mental health addiction, and they kind of just whatever happened. He ended up leaving the team at eighteen and, and sort of just going off and, and getting into the life that living the same life that I was living, but I was in BC and he's in Ontario, and that's what I mean. Like so, for him to pass away and for me to be alive, like so many times I overdosed and could have died and, and I didn't, and so like that to me is. I'm just like, whoa. So anyways, I make the podcast longer and, you know, I hadn't talked to anybody in the hockey community, not you, not anybody, like, you know, I'm barely, like I was just embarrassed, right. of, embarrassed of what I had done. And like, so when I decided to start the podcast, I was like, well, how the hell am I going to get people to listen to this? Like, um, the only way I know is to go on Facebook uh, and add a bunch, many people as I can and, and just <laughs> send them a message. And so I, every picture that i saw of like a hockey player or hockey related i added you and i and i sent them i'm like hey this is my story check on my podcast and matt thompson happened to be one of those people and that is how he found out about my story and that's how i found about matthew lazinski and that's how we became friends and now i'm here recording the episode so it's really cool so fast forward a couple weeks from that point gare joyce Mm. from sportsnet writes the article uh, about me and during that story I'm telling him about a time when I was in the Tampa Bay Lightning's prospect camp and um, before going there in July I was doing tons of cocaine um, like didn't train this is the year after I played with you the summer after I played with you it was just horrible man I was just in a bad situation some things were happening with the pregnancies of the two girls you know about that and we that's for another day but it's like I was just really uh really stressed and, and dealing with stuff. So I was using this, these, this cocaine. So anyways, I go to, um, I go to Victoria for the prospects camp because it was at Lenny B's house, right? At Bear Mountain. Oh God. Yeah. So, yeah. so then we, <laughs> so we get there and I'm like stressing cause I haven't skated at all. Really. I haven't worked out. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? Right? So it's the night before the first inner squad game. Um, and I remember we were on the ice before like that day doing some power skating stuff. And I remember I felt horrible longer. I'm like, this is like, I'm in one here. Like what the hell am I doing here? Like, you know what I mean? Like I had, yeah. I was like, I should just go home and quit and never play hockey again. Cause that's how bad I was compared to where I was just a few months before. And, uh, and so anyways, I, it's like 1030 at night and, uh, I'm walking, uh, through the lobby and then I get into the elevator and uh, I get in the elevator, and who's in there? It's Mitch Fadden, and he's half in the bag, okay? Um, and I'm like, Fad, yeah. I'm like, we didn't really know each other at this time. And I'm like, Fad's like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, my, because he's from Victoria, right? So, like, where yeah. the camp oh, was, yeah. he's like, my fucking girlfriend went to a party, and da-da-da. He's like, I couldn't handle it, so I got in a cab. I went to the party. I made a mistake. I ended up drinking, and I'm like, I smell something. I'm like, do you have pot on you? Like, is that? do you have weed? He's like, yeah, I got weed. I'm like, and I was like so stressed, so anxious going through whatever. I was like, man, I was like, I got to, I, you got to calm me down. Let's go smoke a joint. So we're smoking a joint. Um, and then, uh, whatever he, he ends up pulling out some Coke and, uh, Oh my God. So me and him, this is a true story. And, uh, we end up, and, and before I say anything else, I want everybody to know that, you know, unfortunately, 
Um, maybe not in this instance at this prospect camp, it wasn't taking place, but there is a serious cocaine problem in the professional hockey world, uh, with some players. So it's not like it was just a one-off and it's, it's a, it's a party thing. So I'm not saying like, oh, it's bad. Like he's not the only one. I'm not the only one. So before I say anything, I just want to say that. Um, and he was going through some stuff. So I was like, he didn't really tell me at first, but then it came out and we started talking. He's like, well, I have some, like, well, give me some. So me and him ended up doing some Coke before the next day was the first inner squad game and they come in to read the starting lineup it's me fads and stamkos <laughs> true story okay so listen so i'm telling garrett joyce this story but i'm not telling him it's mitch fadden because i'm like i can't use his name because i haven't talked to him but it, i had heard through the grapevine like maybe two years ago or longer three that he was going through some shit but he was doing better so i added him on facebook while the story was being written because i wanted to tell him i wanted to be able to tell these stories and get his approval and be like hey man i'm doing right, well because we because right. we also played together in norfolk and lived in a hotel together for like three months like we were yeah. really close right and uh so we got whatever uh, I'm messaging him and I'm like, Hey man, whatever. And it's like saying he's working for the city of Vancouver. And I'm like, he must be doing well or whatever. He's not messaging me. Then all of a sudden, um, you know, I get a message from some guy I didn't know at the time, Justin Bryan, who I know now he's in my life coach, but he's best friends with Matt Fadden, Matt Fadden, Mitch Fadden's brother. He's like, Hey, he, he's like, what's your number? I got to call you. And he calls me and he tells me Mitch Fadden passed away and he passed away two weeks uh, before Matthew Lazinski did in the same year. So I ended up, yeah, I ended up calling Matt Fadden and, and talking to him and I've talked to him a couple of times and it's just, it's so sad. Um, like an accidental overdose on, on fentanyl. Um, and, uh, it's, Jeez. you know, and it's, you know, it was, uh, my understanding was he didn't even know that's what it was. He thought it was Coke. And, uh, um, next thing you know, he, he there he is, he, he overdoses and dies. And, and do you have, you, wow. guys, you have no idea, man, how many players, um, at the junior and professional level have overdosed, whether it be on oxys or heroin, um, fentanyl, like, you know, Dave Gov is another one. Um, there like, I could send you the list. It's, it's tragic. And we're actually building a list of, of all the guys and, and girls that we've lost whether it be it at the professional level or the minor hockey level so that's a quick story so yeah like anybody listening and mitch fadden was such a talented player like he yeah. he was um he was really good you guys actually played a lot of like the same way like you guys kind of yeah he was one of my favorite players uh like that we would play against for sure yeah he's uh very creative and it's it's just a sad story and like that you know what i mean it just goes to show that like you know, it, like, I, I, man, I'm telling you, I thought it was the only one that was struggling with depression, mental health, addiction. And uh, since I came out with this podcast, it is, um, it's actually, like, seriously disturbing how many guys are, are struggling. Like, I don't have enough time in the day to even talk to everybody that's reaching out to me right now. I'm not even kidding. Like, it's, mm. it's, um, and that's great. I love it. I absolutely love it. But we need, I need, I need help, I, which I have through other guys, but we're, putting these uh, things in place longer that are like, you know, 1-800 numbers with medical professionals for suicide hotline or addiction hotline or whatever it is, whether, well, a, guy yeah. whether a guy retires from hockey and he's having trouble finding his way in the real world. It's like, what the hell am I going to do now that hockey's over? Well, guess what? He calls the Pucksport Foundation and we're like, hey, where do you live? Okay, well, we have this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy in that area and they, they're doing hockey schools or beer league or whatever it is and at least then you're connected with you know the hockey community and you can still For stay sure. connected and, and you know it's it's something so but let's get into uh 
let's get into I want to I want to know more about uh, you because you know I knew um, you know I, I, again I hope everyone listened to episode 46 um, and uh, you know it's I knew that you were struggling and that you had suffered um, multiple concussions but I didn't know the exact details and um, you know it's it's just it's horrible man like I, I feel I feel bad for you in a sense, but at the same time, I was thinking about it. It's like, man, he's in Germany. He's fishing. He just he's still playing pro hockey. Um, and uh, in in some senses, man, like I look at guys and, and after their careers are done in the NHL, and uh, they're like, some of them are like, man, I wish I never even played. Like some of them are so like. <laughs> Seriously, they're so messed up. Yeah, I, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, there's right? still there's guys there's guys that are still playing who who wish they never started, but they have to pay their mortgage or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So where are you at with that? Like, are you still enjoying playing the game? For sure. Yeah, you Absolutely. always you yeah, always you always, love you always lo- yeah you always loved it. Um, was I sorry I didn't want to cut you off, but is was there a time um, where that wasn't the case when you were dealing with concussions and how did you uh, go about, how did you go about getting out of that? I know we talked about, there was a coach that helped you get that coaching job to transition into player coach slash playing, but what was there anything that you did or that you had to do um, to really give yourself that push or to find that love for the game again, after going through such a traumatic experience? Um, No, I, I never, never stopped loving the game. Um, I mean that's it's just what I've done since I'm I was three years three years old because because I loved it um, and it was it was like a pure love because no one in my family had anything to do with hockey. I mean my my family is definitely a sports family. My dad was a really good basketball player. My mom played basketball. She was a hell of a defender, <laughs> um, and they had nothing to do with hockey. And I just saw it on TV. I was Wayne Gretzky was playing for the Kings in you know what early 90s and um i'm you know i'm sure my dad followed most of the la sports teams and so it was on the tv and i mean i don't remember this but these, this is what i've been told and um i just said i just kept bugging them i want to play hockey i want to play hockey <laughs> and um they finally i guess they finally gave in they put, put me in skating school and this this was the climate in in southern california so now, you know, we have the Ducks and all these teams and hockey's kind of a big deal. There's high school hockey. Um, but in the early 90s, um, I was in preschool in kindergarten. Or no, Montessori. Is that preschool? Yeah. I don't know. Preschool. And um, my teacher called uh, Mrs. Mudan, my teacher, she called my parents and said, uh, we have a problem with calling. He's a... Uh, He's he's telling tall tales. He's a, he's a bit of a liar. <laughs> he's telling all the. They're like, oh, geez, what's he saying? He's saying he's, and she's an Indian lady, so she, you know, she knows nothing about hockey as well. And she's saying, yeah, he's telling these kids that he's playing ice hockey. <laughs> and they're like, well, he is. So um, that's hilarious. Because yeah. back yeah, then, because yeah. back then, like kids didn't really play hockey, hey. And especially down no. in California, like that. Um, did you have to? You must have to travel. Like, did you have to travel pretty far for practices and games? Um, in the beginning, there was a rink in um, Costa Mesa, which was twenty minutes. I mean, there there was rinks, um, but there just wasn't really hockey. Definitely not serious hockey. And um, 
we definitely had to travel longer than you guys did in in, in Poco. <laughs> That's for damn sure. And if it wasn't to, for to play to play the next best team, you know, we'd have to travel or we have to go up to, to Kamloops or Prince Albert or Detroit. Yeah, you guys so, you guys did that a lot, and you you played for the California Wave, and you guys had such a great team. There's so many guys on that team that you played on that came you know through the Western League and and went on and. And some guys, I think, are still playing like like yourself. And uh, uh, you know, I yeah. it's just a totally different experience. I think um, kids in Canada can't really even fully understand uh, what you guys, what kind of commitment level that takes from the parents and the players. Like I was talking to a guy, Jake Newton. I don't know if you know Newton, but yeah, I know him. Yeah, yeah, he was on the podcast as well, and uh, you know, he was telling me about all the times he had to drive and and just for practices, and plus his brother played too, and it's like. You know, it just it's crazy. So you know, these the sacrifices of, of our parents. I mean, even my dad, even living so close to the rink, but just you know, struggling financially. And I think Brian, um, yeah, Brian, fuck, like all these parents. Like, like I was even in North Bay, and I was like talking to this one parent, like, and he's talking about how expensive it is. I'm like, how do you do it? He's like, we don't, like, but we do. Like, they're literally mm-hmm. people are are maxing themselves out and uh, stretching themselves yeah. thin. Um, you know for their kids and i think a lot of uh, kids don't even that's pretty that's pretty shitty yeah it's uh it's shitty that that's what it's come to and um i think it's i think it's the same it's definitely the same if not worse in southern california where it's becoming a uh a privileged um you know like a privileged privileged family sport like golf or something yeah and, and um that's not how hockey should be but i mean i guess even in in my early days it was uh, definitely you had to be middle class at least well probably to to play a hundred percent and that's a thing so like i i wish that we could see different you know government grants step in and, and where it's like okay you know hockey's only a hundred bucks a year because the government's going to cover the rest like why are we not um encouraging our, our kids are like our government encouraging our kids to uh, play the sports and giving them that opportunity like we they pump all these billions of dollars into all this other stuff um you know mental health and and different areas like you know for people when they're 19 and older but maybe if we pump that money into the the system for when they're kids and gave them the opportunities to play sports and everything else maybe that would help them i'm not saying it would save them because look i i played hockey and i'm still dealing with stuff but look at hockey has been the uh vehicle to drive me out of hell now because yeah i went through the shit but at least i have hockey now uh to get out of it because now i have the hockey community to lean on and support me whereas most people wouldn't have that right so yeah it's it probably it probably uh i don't know about saved me but it definitely kept me away from certain things um in southern california um especially in in high school um you know it's it's close to the beach there's there's um kind of that surfer mentality down there and um i guess some troublemakers and if I didn't play hockey, I mean, I, hockey kept me completely focused, and um, you know, I never, I never got into that that stuff. So I think for any any kid, like from the barrio or whatever, from the inner city, I mean, it, sports can definitely 
get them I either get them out or just you know make them a better person yeah it just teaches you life skills I wanted to ask you too so you talked about you know the reason really why you started playing hockey is is Wayne Gretzky getting traded to the LA Kings like that was a, a monumental deal for hockey it just it brought hockey to California uh, I'm not sure anybody else at that time could have done it like it it was Wayne and, and Wayne only because it you know it's Wayne Gretzky right so but yeah. then you got drafted by him 99th overall how cool <laughs> yeah. is that like was that pretty like has that a, like i know you know you never had the long successful nhl career didn't work out in that sense but at the same time getting drafted is a huge accomplishment um you know and you know there's no doubt in my mind that you know and you know it too and and you're definitely you're definitely good enough to play at that level and it's just all about things working out and happening and opportunity and and not getting you know blindsided concussions and and just some things have to align and i truly believe that things happen for everything happens for a reason and now look you're in germany you have your your wife and and, and that life out there and it just everything falls into yeah. place for for different reasons um but have you ever like sat back and been like hey you know like wayne gretzky was the reason why I played hockey and I got drafted 99th overall by him. Like, that's a, <laughs> it's not like it's really that's yeah. sick, right? It it was cool. It was definitely cool. I remember, I completely remember draft day. Um, I didn't go to the draft uh, because you know you know the top usually only the first or second round guys go. I mean, sometimes you get the the random guy who will show up and then not be drafted and he's wearing a full suit he's got his family with him and it's like oh, <laughs> now what yeah but um that was crazy and um i got a chance to meet him and spend some time with him he was there during um the camp the my first year so i you know i signed a three-year deal um and then of course the year even the year before that when i was unsigned he was always around doing his thing and um he was funny. I mean, he he owned part of the team. He um, he has a winery, and uh, he supplied the the plane, the team plane with with the wine. So if you if you ordered a wine on the plane, it was going to be from Gretzky's uh, Gretzky's winery. So he he was double dipping pretty good. I mean, he's a he's pretty savvy, but um, he was cool. I I remember at the combine. I, I interviewed with a couple teams and when I interviewed with Phoenix, I went in there and I had long hair at the time <laughs> and I went in there and I remember every single one of those guys had, had long flow. Like it was Don Maloney, um, <laughs> Sullivan, all these guys, they had like long flow. I think some of, some of them were probably at highlights and there was a, there was a fan, there was a fan one foot away from my face like I, I don't know if they put it there on purpose maybe maybe they heard i had long hair yeah and uh it was just blasting me and you know <laughs> i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say like hey can you can you uh, can we turn off the fan and uh so i sit down and then um i think it was sullivan sullivan said um is that fan is that fan bothering bothering your flow <laughs> And I started cracking up, and uh, so I—I I mean, I don't know. I think they liked me from day one. And Gretzky asked me, and he—he he asked the same thing to Turris. He asked me because I wasn't the biggest guy. I didn't—I didn't crush it at the um, at the com the yeah, combine, the fitness testing. Yeah. Um, you know, I was kind of frail, I guess. And um, Gretzky—they always go over your numbers for the fitness testing and. Really, they're just trying to beat you down. Like they're trying to get you to snap. 
so that they're, they, they'll talk shit on you and they'll say like, geez, like you only did uh, what 10, 10 on the bench. Like, I think my, uh, 12 year old son could do that. <laughs> and, um, and then I remember Gretzky, Gretzky said, um, he's like, have you ever seen a weight score a goal? And wow. I just cracked up. Like, and I guess he said the same thing to Turris. They drafted Turris too, who's also a matchstick. So yeah, and he was uh, my line mate actually. Uh, when I went, when I quit the Western League at 18 to go play Junior A, I played online with him. I had nine points in my first three games. He was uh, he was pretty good. <laughs> in Burnaby. Uh, in Burnaby. Yeah, in Burnaby. And then I ended. Yeah, up, uh, yeah I went back to Swift as a 19 year old. I, I asked. I Coach didn't know Boy. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I I didn't. Uh, I ended up quitting too uh, that team while I got injured and just stopped going to the rink. And they ended up going to play the RBC and winning it all. And it was just. Uh, it was one of those things, man. But uh, it is what it is, and, and you move on. But Turris, uh, Turris has gone on to have a, a nice little career for himself. Oh yeah, yeah. I was with him in um, San Antonio my first year in in the AHL. I was in San Antonio. I played. I already. I think I already mentioned this. I played the first thirty games, and then I was out for the rest of the season with a concussion, just hanging out. Yeah. And uh, that year, was it that year? Um, yeah, that was the year when they when Gretzky left, and they brought in Tippett, and um, they signed a bunch of um, older older guys, and they sent down all these guys who were in the show the year before with um, with Gretzky. You know, Gretzky. It was like a. I mean, it was a bit of a Mickey Mouse club, honestly. <laughs> But um, so those guys all got sent down. I mean, they were they were good enough to play there for sure. But um, it was it was more just like a statement by Tippett, I guess. He sent down Bodker, Turris, Tikhanov. Um, uh, there's a couple more. So they were in the show the year before, and then the next year they were in the AHL. That's crazy. So that yeah that uh, that was kind of. I wonder why. Like I I don't know, man. I don't agree with. Uh, uh, I guess I I don't know, man. I'm not a coach uh, at that level, but I'm listening to the, you saying how they like beat you down in the combine. I know they do that kind of stuff. I just I don't know, man. I I feel no, it's, yeah. it's pretty sick though that Gretzky was like, you ever seen a weight score goal? I like that. Like that's it's, it's true <laughs> yeah. though, right? Like it's uh, yeah. I I don't know, man. I, I think there was there was a time when there was a huge emphasis on strength in hockey, and I mean yes, it's still there in conditioning, of course. But now I with the way that it, that it is, like you. you you don't see the big guys anymore it's all it's yeah. all quick and, and and fast and explosive movements. i mean i'm sure they're all ripped and jacked but oh for sure they are but they're not yeah. like you know all like huge and like you're know, like just like beast of men like fight you know what i mean back in yeah. like the early 90s everyone was like juiced out and like they had like five fucking heavies on every team and uh hockey's yeah. just not like that anymore so uh Talk to me a little bit about uh, winning the championship uh, with Kelowna after the year uh, playing with with me. Like you know, I, I honestly like it was like I I felt as if I won almost, even though it was like a year after um, after I was there. For but sure. you guys, yeah. you guys had such a great team that year. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that experience and you know accepting that the Ed Chanel Cup as the captain of the Kelowna Rockets. Like that's it's uh, pretty sick. Yeah, you, you were actually a big part of that. Um, my first two years, oh, my my first year, we were good. We had a bunch of uh, guys who, a bunch of 19s who um, had won when they were younger. 
um, with um, I don't I can't remember who their 19s would have been, but we had Como uh, Weber. So Weber was a guy who left. We had we- uh, Weber. I don't know. Maybe Keith was around back then. But um, and then so the next year after we we were they disappointed. We lost in the second round my first year. The next year was a rebuilding year, and um, and then that was my 17, and then my 18. Um, it was also supposed to be kind of a rebuilding year, and um, you came in, and Ben came in, and Barry came in, and then you know like um, Tyler Myers, my Luke Shen, myself kind of came into our own. But a huge part of that was you coming in because. Um, it's hard to explain, but uh, you came from the east, and uh, at least personally, you coming from the east. Um, it's hard to explain how it helped me, but um, I don't know. It just helped me just play hockey again, just almost like freestyle. Yeah. Um, and having fun because you, Kelowna had this um, reputation of being just a machine which they were, I mean, when they had uh, Habshide. Yeah. And they were they were like the 95 Devils. Um, yeah, just, just shut pure, down. Just trap, shut down, to create huge defensemen, and they were all just, ro- I don't, I mean, robots sounds bad. They were robots on the ice, which can be a good thing. But also off the ice, they had, Kelowna definitely had a reputation of just having a bunch of, of geeks, right? Yeah. Um, there was one story I remember, I'm not going to say his name, but someone, I was 16 and someone on the other team, someone probably from Medicine Hat or something asked this guy on our team, like, what do you guys do for fun around here? Because everyone knew we had a really strict curfew and not, no one did anything there. We just played hockey and worked out. And um, I remember the guy was like, we hang banners. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, so when you came in, at least for me, it kind of just freed me up, and I felt, um, you know, I saw you toe dragging. You came in with the huge white tongues, and like no one had that. And I remember I started to go tongues out, <laughs> and um, I don't know, it got my swagger back a little bit. And um, so, anyways, we we took that into the next season, my nineteen year old year. Ben was 19, Allman was 19, McMillan was 18. So we were we were ready to go like and we we had that um with you we lost we lost to Mitch Fadden who's dead. Yeah. The year before in the first or second round we lost in seven games. Yeah, we no we Wait, lost. was was Fadden was on that team? No, we lost to Seattle. Um but uh Fadden- Fadden was on Fat, Tri-Cities. Yeah, he was on Tri-Cities with, like, a Colt and okay. Yellowhorn. Remember? Fadden Col- played – are you sure Fadden wasn't on that? Fadden played for Seattle. Yeah, he did when he was 16, but he got traded. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Okay, okay. 100%. Anyways, um, that was a good team we lost to, and that kind of primed us for our next run. Yeah. And um, so so um, they made me captain. Um and that was that was a funny story. I I almost told it last time, but something happened. So it was the Eastons. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I wanted to use Eastons. I I came. I was being a little bit of a diva. I came into camp, you know, like I had a hundred points, just got drafted, um, and I wanted my sticks. I mean, uh, me and Barry, Barry, Barry. Also, me and him were being divas. We both wanted to use our Eastons, and the team had a uh, deal with Bauer. 
Yeah. And um, I, I remember it was an issue. I was, you know, I'd go out to practice with my Easter that I was like hiding and they, they want, that's Kelowna for you though. They everyone's equal, which is, which is good. I mean, that's how it should be. And, um, but I think it should be like, if you're comfortable with a stick and you just got a hundred points with it, why not just let a guy use the stick he wants to use? Yeah. I mean, that was my whole deal back then. But then of course, once I, once I turned captain, my mindset had to change. So what happened was it was becoming a bigger and bigger of an issue where, uh, Bruce Hamilton finally had to get involved. And I remember we even had a meeting and I was like, I was staying firm. I'm like, Bruce, I just had a hundred points with this stick. Like I'm a little bit superstitious. I mean, I, I, I love this freaking stick. Yeah. And, um, so I, I stood firm. I'm like, I, you know, like I don't really don't see why I can't use this stick. If, if I, if Barry gets them and he just, I remember like the meeting ended, uh, d- didn't end well. We, we both just kind of walked away and then, literally like the next day there was there was a captain vote and we were i don't know if the season had already started i think it did um because we were like i said we were waiting for shen to come back to be the captain yeah and so they were just going to hold off until until shen played his nine or ten games in the show and then couldn't come back but we had even before that and i i really think it was because of the whole eastern thing so the day after i met with bruce we had the vote and I became captain, and then I had a meeting with Huska, and Huska's like, you know, you're like, look at our wall of captains here. It's like Shea Weber, <clears throat> I don't know, Duncan Keith, Cuthbert. Cuthbert was a legend there. Yeah. He's like, none of these guys would be doing what you're doing right now with the stick. I'm like, all right, you're right. <laughs> so they won. I ended up using the Bowers and uh, and was captain. How how was it though? Like, did it was it a difference for you? Like, did you for feel- sure? I didn't like them. I didn't like them. Yeah, it's it. it people Barry, don't understand. Barry, so Barry also Barry. I was Barry. Barry was only sixteen. I was his guy. Like, he wanted to use them probably even more than I did. Yeah, and um, you know, I was his. Uh, what do you call it? You're, yeah, you're his, tra- rep- his representative, like yeah. his agent. You were lobbying so, for him. Um, so we both lost. We were both just. We all we do is complain about the sticks all year. But I mean, we got our curves. But um, so <laughs> that's hilarious. So anyways, that was the captain, the captain story. And then um, we, you know, we had a stacked team. Um, I think we underachieved a little bit, if I remember, in the actual season. Um, guys were always missing with world juniors and stuff. Yeah. And, um, so we underachieved a little bit. I think we came in, in like maybe third or fourth place when, when everyone was saying we should have won the, uh, elite, the pre, whatever it's called, the president's trophy yeah. for WHL. I don't know what it's called. Um, but then playoffs came around and everyone, all those guys, you know, they all had another gear <laughs> yeah. and actually, um, so we were playing Tri-City in the second round and we went down 2-0 I think we lost the first two games I, I can't remember if it was at home or on the road but we lost the first two games and everyone's like oh we're gonna lose and um, I remember I got called into the office uh, Bruce Hamilton was there who who rarely had meetings with players rarely yeah if you had a me- meeting with him uh, you were 
you were in a lot of shit. Yeah, you, you were never going to have a meeting to tell you that you were doing a good job. Yeah. <clears throat> and he was in there. Lauren Fry was in there, who was the head scout, who was like my dad there. He drafted me and he, you know, he's the guy who brought me in. He's but also, all the coaches, he's also been I, on the podcast. Really? Yeah. I had Lorne on. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going well, though. Huska, you know, everyone was in there. There was probably 10 guys, 10 men in there. And I sit down and I mean, I'm at the time, I think I'm a man. I'm captain of the Kelowna Rockets and I sit down and they just rip in completely rip into me. Um, I, I am not sure. I, I was, I was playing, um, I was playing probably just similar to how I, I played my 18 year old year, just a point point guy, right. In quotation marks. <laughs> and, um, so they brought me to tears. I was crying. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I mean, so then after that, we we won four straight against those guys. And I'm not saying that it was, I'm not saying it's because of me that that meeting changed me, but it definitely took me to another level, uh, my intensity to another level. Also defensively, um, like after that, I was just raging and yeah. um, wanted to kind of prove them wrong and show them that they didn't make a mistake making me the captain and what have you. So, um, <clears throat> for me in the playoffs, that was a turning point. And I don't, I haven't really, I don't know if I've told many people that story, but yeah. Yeah. So it's cool. We ended up kind of just running house after that. I mean, uh, we had some, we played some really good teams. Um, that was the team Fadden was on, by the way, Tri City. Yeah. And he was a huge issue for us. And um, I remember he had a broken ankle, and um, we were just feeding him. We were we were slashing the shit out of his ankles. <laughs> yeah, any little poor, advantage. Poor, poor guy. Yeah. So, but that's hockey. Yeah. So, so yeah, we ended up. Um, we had some really tight series. We beat Calgary in the final, at home, which was crazy. At home in, in overtime, um, Tyson Berry scored the game-winning goal with the bower <laughs> and um that was it yeah. um that was crazy i mean i'll definitely never forget that and then we got the trophy and unfortunately i missed the banner hanging the next season because i was in phoenix yeah but, but i mean uh, you were there a lot of it that's that's natural a lot of guys missed it yeah and that's fine i mean at the end of the day you got to accept the trophy and uh that's pretty cool after you know they ripped you apart like that you you, you step it up and, and you bring it home for the rockets it's a pretty cool way to wrap up your your career i mean you guys went to the mem cup you end up losing in the final four one to windsor but uh i remember yeah. i remember watching it that must have been a heartbreaker um you guys really should have beat them and they had a great team taylor hall ryan ellis um but uh, yeah, I, I watched that game again recently, and uh, just just one of those things. But you know, you work so hard all year, and you get there. But at the end of the day, you guys still are we're WHL champions, and uh, that uh, was that is that maybe the coolest thing you experienced while playing hockey, or what's your best memory? Um, I would say that yeah, definitely that was. Um, I mean, it's it's so hard to explain like the. Um, the camaraderie that you you go through with the with the guys on the team when you go that deep into the playoffs. I mean, like I remember 
we were talking um, some of the guys who, who got drafted like by the Mem Cup that was that was our 120th game of the season or something like that if you counted all the the prospect games and guys who played XC games in preseason it's 100 freak, like over 100 games yeah and um, you know you see them every single day and you you see them blow out their shoulders you see them getting cortisone injections before the game uh, it's all it's like I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna compare us to the military, but I I have a one of my other best friends, um, was in the Navy, and I I've always told him that I because he when he came back, um, he just felt like he couldn't connect with anyone, like um, if that makes sense. Yeah, like because he's just used and to it was. I remember after that when I came home it was really weird um, I felt disconnected with with kind of everyone and because you just went through that yeah basically a, I mean it's a freaking war I mean you're playing with broken bones and dislocated stuff and running on uh, pure adrenaline right yeah and uh, so <clears throat> you get extremely tight with with um with those guys and definitely a few guys um specifically your your bros on the team that you go to lunch with every day and it just goes deeper and deeper and you everyone becomes so superstitious and (laughs) before the game it's like clockwork when you're on when you're on that good of a team it's like it's like clockwork before a game when like okay this song you know you always have the same playlist so this song it's like okay um Almond's about to go by and <laughs> take a shit or whatever, or yeah, like Dozek's yeah. about to tape his stick. Like you know, everyone's yeah. what everyone's doing. It's freaking crazy. Yeah, and it's yeah, and that's that's how you like great teams are built or are built on like routine and just buying into uh, whatever the systems are. And it's not just on the ice. It is little things like that in the dressing room, and maybe even more so. Um, I want to. Yeah. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember. Uh, do you remember this night at all? Mike Van, who's got two tonight. He'll beat Ulm and Ulm and it's a When you're hot, you're hot. Brady Leo Bold with his fourth goal of the game. And the Kelowna Rockets having a whole lot of fun tonight. You remember that? Um, you don't remember against Prince George. Prince George. <laughs> I think you had five assists. Prince George. Yeah, Benny had two goals, four assists. I had four yeah. goals, one assist, and you had like five or six assists. We won, I remember that game. We, we, won, <laughs> we won six to two or something like that, and we all had I like. Was trying, I heard Almond. I was trying to think of when. Um, yeah, it was like when Almond he did, in he did front. something special, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's just like the that that was a great game. And you know what's funny is, so um, I remember Huska when after you left my 19 year old year, when we would play the the lower teams in the league, we would almost take a take the night off. Um, they they kind of replaced you with Mitch Callahan played on our line and then um, and then Lucas Bludoff played on our line. So yeah. those were they were they actually were trying stuff and they were brought in Mitch Callahan who who's had a good career by the way. Yeah. But they brought him in um, and they could see they're like okay we have to find a righty who can fight who who has a little bit of skill so they definitely tried to to fill your role um, specifically. 
with a similar player and um he, he ended up getting drafted that year yeah he, but he... um so anyways what i was gonna say is i remember huska huska we had a meeting me and ben had a meeting with huska and he gave us shit because we lost to a bad team and he said when leibold was here you guys used to pray on the shittier teams you guys used to absolutely pray those would be your best games. You'd have seven points. Yeah. And um, now you take these nights off. Like, that's, that's unacceptable if you want to play at the next level or whatever. Yeah. So, um, that was funny. <laughs> we, yeah, I remember. Like, fuck, we used to just love to score, man. We are, uh, our line, we, we connected pretty well, man. Like, it, it was just one of those things. It was once our power play started clicking, I was watching. They used to put Lucas on the, on the power plays. Like, they, once they put me on the Net power front. play. Yeah, but they put Benny. They once they overloaded that side with two right-handed shots, and and they give you the puck on the half wall. It's over yeah, or yeah. down low. It was. I over. remember that. It was over. And they put Benny net front. Yeah, it was over. They put Benny net front. Yeah. Yeah. It, I was thinking about this Benny when we played with him. Um, he wasn't as insane as he was now. Uh, like now he's like um, freaking Backstrom with size. Yeah. But when we played with him, he was kind of a, he was, I mean, he, he clearly had so much raw potential. He was huge, but he was, he was, uh, he had like farmer strength. He yeah. wasn't jacked. Yeah. And, um, we call him like Fat Benny. Fat Benny. Exactly. Uh, he was that. a, he was a catch and release guy, really. He yeah. was like, I, I don't know who, I'm trying to think of an NHLer who was catch and release before that. Brett Hole was catch and release. Yeah. Like he wasn't going to, um, Patrol the half wall. Now Benny does that. Yeah. But yeah. when we played with him, so they tried to put him, I don't know, on the half wall or whatever, and it didn't really work. And then once he got, he, he just got in the slot, and he's really good at moving his feet without the puck. Yeah. Way, way better than I have ever been. And um, I remember he he would just get free. I mean, yeah. and all all we needed was his, his stick, and he it would be on and off his stick. So. Yeah. Yeah, he was so good at that. I was actually watching a game last night with Matt Thompson, and there's a there's a play where he just makes a little half a step in like out of the slot just to get into position where he takes that little bit like where most guys would either panic and shoot or crack it up a guy's shinnies or or whatever and he just takes that extra little bit like and he's still doing it and like you know I watch a guy like like Bo Horvat does it really well too, but it's it's yeah. But he's definitely he has changed his game a lot. He's he's just grown up. He's just a man now. Right? Yeah. He was a kid back then. But like you said, yeah. he had tons of raw potential. It was just it was a lot of fun. Um, and I feel very privileged to to have played for the Kona Rockets. And I know that uh, it's uh, like you know it's it is a culture of you know Bruce Hamilton runs a pretty tight ship. And, and like you said, if you're talking to him, it's not you're not getting praise from him. <laughs> um and, and i'll tell you too i remember there was a game before medicine had he like pulled me aside he's like you think you're so tough you say in the newspaper you'll fight anyone you're not doing any of that shit <laughs> da, 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 da. well i went out and i got a gordy al hattrick that night against medicine had I, I, rem I remember that yeah, and I, yeah, was like, I remember Stick that. that up your ass, Bruce. Like whatever, but it, you know what I mean. But he was uh, actually the nicest thing Bruce ever said to me. I'll I'll tell you this was I was at the uh, the golf tournament, the alumni golf tournament. I've only been to it once. I think it was like two years. I think it was the year you guys won. I went back. Okay. And uh, man, I was kind of a disaster while I was there, or whatever. But um, I didn't take part in the game. I only went to the golf. Uh, I just played golf. I barely even seen anyone. I got it. Then played golf and got the hell out of there. Uh, but didn't make it. Didn't make it to the game. <laughs> but no. But Bruce. Uh, 
Bruce um, was teeing off in front of me, like his group was ahead of us. And uh, this was back, whatever, 2010, 2009, whatever. And he's like, after he tees off, he's like pulling away. As he gets in his car, he's like, hey, he's like, Leibold, I thought that was you. He's like, you were the best trade I ever made. And I'm like, and he drives away. Oh, like, yeah. Oh. He was drunk. <laughs> yeah, he was probably drunk, right? And I'm like, oh, that's, well, that's my kind of. I can't believe he said that. Yeah, I was like, well, not, like I can believe that? it. Like, it's probably true, but I can't believe it came out of his mouth. Yeah, I know. I was super shocked. I don't know if it's still true, <laughs> but you got to look. I think they got me for like a seventh round pick or something like that. <laughs> so like, you know what I mean? It, I don't it, think we gave up. Uh, we didn't give up any player for you. No, it was a it was a draft pick. And I've gone back and I figured out who they, they gave got, like who uh, Swift Kern ended up drafting, like with that pick. And I don't think he even ever no. played. So, um, you know what I mean? You, you, you won. Yeah. They they won the trade, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I was just it blew me like it blew me away, man. Like I was like, what the hell? I'm like, is that? I'm like, yeah, that's me. But is that you? Is that actually Bruce Hamilton saying that? Because yeah. yeah, like some I fucking. I mean, just a look, team. just a look from him was enough. Oh uh, yeah. most of the time it's like, oh my god, he's happy with me. Yeah. Yeah. He, he winked at me, or not even he would. He wouldn't wink, but you know, like yeah, he, he no, I know. Slightly smiled. So. Yeah, or he just but, fucking um, he made I, eye contact with me like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Holy yeah. shit! Yeah, I was nervous of Bruce. I was scared of Bruce. I'm not gonna lie. I was like fucking, you know. And, and I, I, it was funny. You know what I mean? Like you get into the dressing room, whatever music's pumping, whatever you're feeling good. You turn around the corner, there he is. You're like, oh. <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? It's yeah. like they're uh, yeah. deflated. I better fucking like stand up straight, fucking, you know, <laughs> everything else. But it was fun. So what's up? Are, are we together. on a are we on a tight schedule here? You got to go or what? We got to do part three. We're going to dinner. Are ya? You guys are going out to yeah. going out to celebrate a little dinner? Are ya? Yes. Yeah, well, we got married um, a couple months ago. Like right in the thick of in thick of Corona. Congratulations, my friend. That's awesome. Thank um, you. That's 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 great. Like it just seems. I've seen pictures. She's beautiful, and uh, you know, I just. It looks like you have a, a a really nice life out there. What's your before I let you go? What's your plan though? Like, are you guys? I know you're still playing, but like, when you do retire from hockey, are you are you California bound? Are you gonna be setting up shop in Germany? Um, have you guys even talked about that? What's what's the plan? Are you yeah, just taking it day by day? No, we've definitely talked about it. We're going to set up shop in California, probably California, and maybe even Oregon. Um, nice. Southern Oregon. Nice. Oregon's um, so nice. In a, in a perfect world, we would have a house in Germany and then, you know, our residence in, in the U.S., yeah. the West Coast. Absolutely. So, and, um, and that's and this is the thing. If you make up your, your mind I think now. I, still have, I think I still have like 15 minutes. Oh, okay. Sick. Cool. Okay, let's go. But I'm yeah. saying, like, if you set it up, if you set it up, uh, and you set yourself up the right way, and you start thinking positively, I swear to God, like, there's no reason why you can't have those two things. Um, what are you? Are you doing anything? Like, are you thinking about life after hockey at this point? Like financially? Not well. Yeah, maybe not so much. Fi- <laughs> yeah, financially, of course. Um, yeah. But I mean, like, what are you gonna do? It's not even money, like that. I'm like so much worried about. It's like, oh, what I are you gonna I... do for meaning and purpose? That's where the, you know, for guys they struggle. Like, I'm not like I'm not gonna say Whoa. who, but there's there's a multi Stanley Cup champion 
uh, right now retired. There's a guy that's won multi Stanley Cup uh, championships that just got out of the psych ward because he tried to commit suicide. Obviously, won't say who it is. Um, but and just I've said this too. He's never been on my podcast. That's I swear on my kid's life. Um, it's just somebody that played in the NHL and that I've been talking to off the air. He's not ready to come on the podcast. Um, but you know, yeah. So this is stuff that's really happening. And, uh, you know, so like, I'm just asking you, I pose you that question. What are you going to do, um, to, to fill that, you know, cause you got to fill that adrenaline. Like you said, like, you know what I mean? You felt disconnected after winning that championship. Well, imagine when you don't, yeah. you know, yeah, right yeah. now, like, what do you, you, For you're sure. looking forward to training camp or whatever. What the hell are you going to do when that's over? Have you thought about that? Absolutely. But so you're asking like a philosophical question. <laughs> Well, no, I'm, I'm asking you a serious question. Me- yeah. You're asking what my, my meaning and purpose after is. Ho- after, yeah, after hockey. Yeah, after hockey. I don't know, just to be a guy, I guess. <laughs> well, I know, but you like fishing no, and shit, I but it's know. hard, man. Uh, I think about that stuff, of course, and I, I probably think about that kind of stuff too much, and that was probably one of the reasons why I fucked myself up so bad with those concussions yeah. is... Uh, um, I was, uh, um, as that German doctor said, um, what did he say? Self, it's like self-analyzing. Yeah. Yeah. You're just constantly uh, self-analyzing. And not necessarily analyzing my behavior, um, just analyzing like my physical conditions and, and trying to analyze my brain and like my vision. Yeah, and it starts manifesting. You start manifesting your own like almost diseases in your head. You start thinking it, an overthinking. It's like, oh man, this is happening, and then becomes psychological, and then it becomes physical because it starts affecting your games and your sleeps and whatever it is. Um, But it is. I mean, it's something that at the end of the day, I'm not sitting saying here, hey man, think about this all the time. But you know, you've obviously made a ton of connections. Um, are you going to stay connected with the hockey world? Do you, did you enjoy coaching? Is that something that you're going to go into? I liked it. I really, I actually really liked it. Um, and I don't know, I don't know where I would start. I don't know if I would, I don't, I'm not really sure if I would. Um, I also enjoy coaching youngsters. Like I, yeah. two years ago I was playing in Italy and every Every week, I would uh, go and help coach like the under under 11s and under 13s, and I enjoyed it. It was hilarious because they were speaking um, Italian, and you know, so we'd be yelling at them. And but that, I mean, that was fun. But my, I definitely enjoyed coaching pro more, you know, because yeah, of course, I feel like I do have some knowledge about the game and. You're very, no, you think that just so everyone listening, Colin Long is a very high hockey IQ. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, you're the smartest player. You. No, you're the smartest player I ever played with. And like I said, my dad, um, I'll bring it up on, on episode 50. Um, like I, I told you before, when I say, like, who's the best junior oh. player? Say so you, you come Almost into that jubilee. You come into that conversation all the time because, and I was watching the game last night with Matt. I'm like, yeah, I just watch, like, watch longer. Like, it looks like there's times where it looks like you're not even trying, and it looks like the other team's trying so hard, um, but your body, your body positioning, and uh, is just, you know what I mean. So they can't get the puck, or they can't. And those are little things that I didn't really notice before. 
um, like of course you know I was coaching you know, you're taught you're taught these things but I just my mind was so aggressive in raising that I just didn't even stop to analyze things or think about things the way that I do now that I'm older but now that I'm watching the games and I'm like wow like you know I'm you know I'm watching yeah you know I, I will say too that I was watching the game last night and I was actually surprised and I was like wow that was a pretty nice play by me too but like there's little things where yeah. I noticed um, between like me and you were like, I was like even two years older than you, but I'm like, I'm forcing things or rushing things where you take, where to people watching, if you're not a, you know, a, a very avid hockey fan or a professional hockey player or strap, you know, whatever, know the game. You don't even realize these things. Um, but there's ha things happen on the ice so quickly, like that fraction of a second. And that's the difference is where you take, I was watching you take that extra fraction of a second or you know you have that extra fraction of a second or that extra six inches or or whatever it is mm -hmm. and it's uh it was you know my dad used to talk about but now i can start seeing that thing it was, it was really nice to watch man you're very uh you see the ice like fucking crazy the only person that i could compare that to that i played with on a on a regular basis would be a guy like zach hamill when he was younger he was uh you remember yeah. him? he played for everett he uh he but you know what he yeah i always got compared to him and he uh, um i'm not i think i don't know if he's still playing but you know he i think he had a cup of coffee in the show he played a but couple he, games uh, he he also didn't really crack it and um it, 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 it's the speed we were very similar and there there i can think of several other guys who, who kind of play our style like um i'm not i i'll i'll say it's like lariana and right now, there's there's no room in the game for Lariana. <laughs> I don't I don't think I mean when he was younger. When he was younger, there's still room for him. But when we were watching him, uh, he's too slow. The, most of the teams are filled. Eighty five percent of the team, these guys are the fastest ice hockey players in the world, and yeah. that that's kind of what it is now. It's just pure speed. And I mean, there's that there's is why longer. maybe like Blake Wheeler. Blake yeah. Wheeler yeah. Is, is smart. He's he's been kind of slow. Um, but there's not really that much room for those type of guys. And so that's why I was going to say I would, I would rather prefer your foot speed and uh, intensity than, than high vision ah. as far as making money goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I think that if you want to see, I really think the NHL needs to slow the game down. They need to bring in some. That's where the concussions are happening. It's not from fighting. It's because guys are too fast. And I'm not For saying sure. it's it is too fast. Whether it's you got to involve a little more hooking, like you can't even touch a guy now. Arm goes up. It's like crazy. Like hockey back yeah. in the day, you're you should be allowed to slow guys down a little bit, hook guys, set picks a little bit. Like there's got to be a yeah. little bit more give there, um, or a two line pass or something. Yeah. I I don't like the two line pass. I love the breakaways. Like that's my I'm a I'm a fly the zone type guy. But like at the end of the day, if you want to start seeing. Uh, hockey the way that it's supposed to be played where you know it's hard and intense and guys are not getting crushed and getting concussions and all this you gotta you yeah. gotta do something to the rules or something like that to me is yeah um, it's only it's just getting faster and faster yeah here. absolutely and, and that's um, that's you guys are moving at 45 so. kilometers an hour and they, they they collide and that's your brain is getting rattled right kilometers yeah you know, yeah decal you said decal i remember like up here in canada we say decal like for a sticker it's a decal you say decal and i remember you used to say uh a toyota decal, yeah. a toyota celica and we call it a celica and you called it a celica <laughs> i remember these things i'm like celica you like, guys also say pasta pasta and, um, we say pasta 
yeah. But my accent's gotten supposedly my accent's out of control when I talk to people. Um, and even my parents say, like, you have the craziest accent I've ever heard. Because uh, I have, like, a mix. They're like, sometimes you sound German. Sometimes you sound like a surfer. Sometimes you you sound like a um, Vancouver guy. <laughs> and my mom tries to say that I sound Swedish. Yeah. Italian, so. You do. I kind of have those uh, other dialects. It's Before I let you go, too, I just wanted to give a sh- uh Have you talked to Ron at all, your billet from Kelowna? Or, or? No. I don't know what's, what's, what's supposedly uh, not good. Yeah. So um, I wanted to just to give a shout out. Actually, him and I went through a treatment program together uh, years after. Really? Yeah. Years after uh, in Kelowna. I went up to Kelowna. I'm not kidding. Um, I went to Kelowna for treatment back in 2012. And uh, I was there for a week. Um, and then all of a sudden, like, or two weeks, whatever. And then on that 10th day or whatever it was, they're like, yeah, there's a new guy coming in. And I'm just like the friendly guy that, okay, I'm going to go make this guy feel comfortable. And I go to the door and it's Ron, your old billet. And I'm like, whoa. Oh, shit. And, uh, you know, and so, you know, we talked and I know he was going through a hard time. But at the end of the day, he was he was a really good guy. And, uh, you know, I know he did a lot for you when, when you were living there. And I, all of these billets, they, they do so much for, for, for players. And uh, at the end of the day, um, they, when the hockey is over, uh, whether it's players, parents, billets, coaches, uh, reps, uh, life happens, and uh, there's there's things that just you know need to be addressed, um, and and they're not in my opinion. And I think in the hockey community, we can all step up and do a a lot better job, and just start you know talking about these issues and start taking action in these issues because something needs to happen. Um, and some supports need to be in be in place um, because you know it's not just like I said it's not just the players it's the hockey community as a whole it's we're not just focusing on players it's like let's just help the world become a, a better place and a more uh, yeah just bring people together um, inclusive and and, make, and let people know that's okay to not be okay if you if you're reaching out to get help you know what I mean yeah yeah so that, that's gonna be that's gonna be hard in the hockey world though. Uh, I totally agree, and uh, it's gonna be—it's a—it's definitely an uphill battle. But here's the thing: all that we can do for the Box Sport Foundation is just let people know that we're here and uh, continue building our organization to, to uh, you know, bring in the best medical professionals yeah. and, and, and I, everything. I like—I uh, like that you're helping the junior kids because um, yeah. I was thinking after our first interview um, that I don't want people to feel bad for me. Um, I mean, I, I'm one of the lucky ones. I, I got drafted and I signed. Yeah. I mean, I played with, with guys who had also concussion problems who never signed anything. They played junior for 80 bucks every two months. Yeah. And they, their careers ended at 18 because of concussions and who knows what they're doing now. Yeah. And so, so that, I mean, that's my, that. I'm unfortunately, glad, yeah. the only guys we hear about are guys are are famous guys who maybe played 10 years in the show and yeah. and i mean of course it's not all about money um but we hear about those guys and people feel people feel bad for chris pronger which i also i feel ter- terrible for him but i feel worse for the kids who are 19 and have to retire who never signed anything and were probably good enough to play some pro and yeah. they had to retire at 19 while making uh like i said yeah. So it's cool that you guys are helping them. That to me is so I want to say like yeah, I'm we're want to 
to help the whole hockey community, but my passion project, where my section of the thing, that is my specialty is the junior. That is my prime yeah. focus is getting out and letting these guys know that, hey, while you're playing or whether whatever, whether it's in season, in summer, whether you just got drafted or you haven't been drafted and you're trying to make it to junior um, while you're playing or when you're done playing, like we're here. And like, you know, because sometimes you need someone to talk to or like guidance, like just like we're going to teach these guys like, you know, life skills and managing money and, and just, you know. Like they don't do, I feel like they don't do a good enough job teaching how to be be a pro either. Like you, you just expect it to know these no. things when you show up um, to the Western League or wherever. Uh, even <laughs> yeah. And it's like you're expected to. And, you're just a kid, and then you you go to pro, and then all of a sudden you're living on your own or whatever. And a lot of these people, guys, have never done that before. They don't do their own laundry. They don't do nothing. And no, um, guys are just eating eating top ramen before games and. Uh um when they're 20 years old i mean i mean in Kelowna was one of the good ones like, we used to have like classes i remember we'd have classes on how to give an interview yeah. uh, basically basically how how to um not answer questions that was like the whole point of it when when a, a guy is interviewing you asks um for example if someone's injured and he asks you um do you think that believable could have played tonight it's like if i say yes um then i'm calling you a pussy if i say no then i'm also kind of calling you a, you're i'm, I'm saying yeah. it's worse then i'm letting the other team know how bad it is how bad yeah. it is yeah or that i i i think that you're not that tough or you know what i mean yeah. so they teach you how to basically not answer that question and, and, and any questions you don't want to answer and you can jibber jabber for a minute and then they come away. It's like, it's like politicians. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's just so, um, the gift of the gab and, and they do like little things like that. But I think, you know, and that's great. I think the Kelowna Rockets do a, a fabulous job in a lot of areas, a lot better than, than some junior teams. But I think that there needs to be a certain standard um, that every single player is getting taught the same, you know, systems, the same yeah. programs, the same, you know what I mean? So I it's agree. consistent, you know what I mean? So we need to get that in I place agree. and the money. So I can't, I can't even imagine some of the teams, at least when we were playing some of the teams out East, I mean, we had hazing um, and they still have hazing as, as much as ESPN is going to talk about it. There's still hazing probably in every sport. Yeah. But um, I can't imagine out East, like the stories that I heard of the guys who played, played out east is just a free-for-all with these kids yeah and i mean Kelowna, and like i said Kelowna, vancouver maybe calgary had had a good reputation but they don't teach you i mean that's like they don't teach you it's not like they teach you how to cook or anything so when you go and when you're 20 and you, you sign like hopefully you signed a big enough ticket where you can afford a freaking cook but most guys can't <laughs> yeah and that's so, it's crazy man and then what happens when when it all doesn't work out or whenever like I don't know man I just I think that there's so much there's so much opportunity there like I can't tell you how many hours of my life I wasted while I was playing junior hockey just sitting around playing NHL or sitting around doing nothing like well sleeping in or going to check in at the rink coming home and sleeping or whatever like like there could have been there's so much ample opportunity to utilize the hours in a day to be teaching the kids um, in the junior systems like 
whether it's you know yeah we can leave the hockey out of it like okay we have practice we have that that's fine but once that's done okay now we need to focus on let's forget about hockey let's build you up and let's build up your your you know your repertoire yeah. as a person your, but that would have been like to be honest that would have been the last thing that at least i would have wanted to do like I know. we were so tired after after the practice we were so tired all we wanted to do was go home and play video games yeah, I know. I know. It's it's kind of. I just think that maybe maybe once a week on like a a mandated yeah. day off, like instead of it being a day off, you every Sunday, whatever, every two weeks, you come in for a four hour, um, totally non hockey related. And I'm not saying all the guys are gonna engage, but you never know what one guy, two guys might hear in those sessions that could save their life down the road and uh, at least give them some new tools. Um, because yeah. I just feel like there's so much, there's ample opportunity. The resources are there. The money is there. It's not like they're paying the players at all, um, and they're turning a profit. Whatever, it's, it's an argument yeah. for another day. But I'm I just mean, saying, the, like, the onus, the onus might be more on the uh, the players, on the AHL and the East Coast teams to to, to take yeah. care of these 20, 20 year olds because, like the junior, the, the junior team, they, we, they give us a billet. They're cooking for us. Um, they're trying to, I mean, at least the team I played on, they try to take care of you. They, they Kelowna tried to train you for the future for absolutely they did. And then yeah. you get to, um, your age, respective AHL team uh, or NHL is a different story. These guys are spoon fed, but when you get to the AHL or the East coast and as a 20, you're just treated like, a, um, it's just, okay, you're on the team. You're a pro. Like, you show up in the morning, do your thing, and you go home. You're free. You can do whatever the hell you want. And um, yeah, probably these twenty-year-olds that come in, they some of them might even need billets. No doubt. So, I never thought of well. Sidney Crosby billeted at Mario Lemieux's house when his first year, right? Yeah, I mean that would be nice. Yeah, imagine that. So, <laughs> I don't know, man. I just think that there's like there's a lot of uh, a lot of opportunity for for. Uh, things to be put in place just to, to just to make a little difference can go a long way I feel yeah okay buddy well are you going for dinner or what's the what's the deal yes here? sir yes sir yeah okay well listen uh, I truly appreciate it and you know that uh, if you want to do part three uh, sooner later whenever you want to do buddy um, the door is wide open and uh, I'm so I'm so just I'm glad that we have been able to reconnect man um, yeah it's been nice it's been awesome, bro, and uh, let's let's make a habit of it. Like, let's stay in, let's make sure we stay in contact. And uh, I look forward sure. to uh, one day being able to fucking give you a big hug again, and uh, maybe do yeah. some maybe do some fishing together up here. Remember, in I invited you down. I invited uh, you. Yes, down. yes, he did. I wanted to say this. So when I got uh, when I got out of jail the first I time, I remember when. <laughs> I do. It was it was like 2017 summer, 2018 summer, I think somewhere around there and uh, I wasn't doing so well and you're like man just come down to California but I couldn't get across the border um, you're like just come stay with me man like you you were trying to help me like you were the one of the only ones and I truly truly appreciate that um, you know I, I love you like a brother and uh, like I said the door is absolutely wide open anytime you want to come on here you um, could have swam <laughs> yeah right well I probably float there now with the barrel I got <laughs> okay buddy uh, go enjoy your dinner with the with the old lady and uh we will talk very soon okay 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 longer i love you buddy love you too all right brother
All right, guys, that's episode 47 of Hockey to Heroin, the Road to Recovery, featuring Colin Long. Huge thanks uh, to Colin for, for hopping on, not once, but twice uh, on episode 46 and 47. We're counting them down. That's three away from episode 50. 50 is going to feature my dad, Brian, and that's the one that I've really been looking forward to. Uh, I asked him to come on my I asked him to come on my podcast and, uh, you know, in the beginning and he was just like, you know, no, but if you stick with it, uh, I will, you know, I'll come on on episode 50 and, uh, it's kind of been our, our standing, uh, our agreement and, uh, I've been really looking forward to it and I know my dad went through a lot, a lot over the last 10 years and even longer before that you know like as a kid I know my uh, him and my mom separated and he was a single dad that I was with the majority of the time him and my, myself and my sister and uh, you know he worked several jobs just to pay the bills and, and to make sure that I could play hockey and have all the things that I I needed and there's just you know I, there's just unbelievable amounts of sacrifice that my dad just continually gave and it just never seemed to end and and I know he was tired and stressed out and and all of it and uh, I'm just so happy that today I'm clean and you know doing the right things and I'm sure my dad is too and and now we can uh, have the conversation and uh, and it's really my hope that it's it'll be beneficial for him myself uh, and the listeners Um, but yeah so that's uh, we have another what three episodes to go two episodes to go uh, before my dad hops on and uh, wow that's that's exciting so uh, a couple more to go and then we're at episode 50 halfway to 100 and it's been uh, quite the journey and I just can't thank you enough for listening and, and to all my guests uh, you know I'm so appreciative of that and um, right now it's a couple hours away from puck drop I'm, I'm heading on the ice here uh, for the first time in eight years uh, Sitting in Matt Thompson's basement right now, we're watching the hockey game. He's here with me as well, and uh, you guys, if you've been following along, he's uh, become like my best friend, and uh, it's it's been awesome. And he drove down uh, yesterday to pick me up, and then drove. Uh, it was like an 11-hour day for him in the car, and uh, now I'm here and. Uh, he's hooking up with all new equipment, so Matt, thanks for that, man. And uh, you know, I walked into his house. We we're in the basement. He's got a. Uh, uh, a beautiful basement, a shrine to the Maple Leafs, and in the corner he's got, um, you know, the Matthew Lazinski uh, sh- little shrine. Uh, of course, uh, he passed away in 2017, and I was able to give Matt the plaque that Chad Balkum made. I have two of them, and I gave one to Matt, and that was kind of cool. And uh, but Matt, I just wanted to to say thank you, and and uh, you know uh, how much I appreciate you you coming down and giving me the opportunity to, to get back on the ice, and, and more than anything, just uh, your friendship. So. Yeah, man, it's been uh, it's been quite the journey, but over the past few months, I mean, since what it's been. When did we first talk? April second or something like that? Yeah, and you know, since then we've we've talked virtually every single day. I think honestly, there's been maybe two or three days in the past four or five months that we haven't talked. And uh, you know, he's come down and, and helped me build the studio, the Matthew Lazinski Memorial Studio, that's uh, still uh, in construction, but we're gonna get that done. Uh, and uh, it's been it's been unbelievable. And everybody listening, if you're following along, and I talk about it all the time, uh, you know, all of this, you know, the podcast, yeah, I started on my own, but the Puckspar Foundation is, you know, what what I'm that's why I get out of bed in the morning is because you know originally yeah it's you know, sharing my story was to help people now I can help people through the Puck Sport Foundation and you know it's yeah sure I still share my story and have my podcast and I like doing it I enjoy doing it and it's part of it uh, but the Puck Sport Foundation is you know where my 
passion and my heart lies. And uh, Matt is the reason for that. You know, sharing the story of his friend Matt Tuzinski with me uh, was the moment that I, you know, was like, wow, like I need to, you know, just continue what I'm doing here and, and remain grateful, like, you know, because it should have been me. Like, I, I don't know why I say it. I know I keep saying it, but I just, I, the amount of times I overdosed and it was brought back and it's just like, wow. And it's just like you see black and then you come back and people are telling you that you're overdosed and you just both died. And it's like, you don't even know, right? But you remember it going black and then it's like you come back and it's just kind of like, ah. But then because you're, you come back, and you're still in that addiction, it's like it doesn't even shake you or affect you. It's like you don't even care. It's like you just want to do more drugs again. And it's, um, you know, so for me to to be here is is nothing short of a miracle. And I know that you lost Maddie, and, and it's, you know, I know he's, Matt, you're still upset about that every day. And it's it's no, like, it's, you know, it's I totally understand. And it's, you call me all the time. and. Uh, we talk about things a lot and, and you know, I'm, I'm just happy that I can be here for you and you know There's nothing we can do to bring Maddie back But what we can do is uh, we can remember him the, the right way like he should be remembered uh, And we can do so many great things in his name and all these other people's names um, That you know are in the hockey community that we've lost from suicide and, and addiction and uh, So Matt like you have to understand that like you were the reason like a huge reason uh, why the Pucksport Foundation is is created by stepping out and just you know, after I, you saw the podcast, like you reached out to me and said, hey, so thank you for doing that, man. Like, I truly appreciate that. Yeah, Brady, it's, uh, it's been an honor, man, for what you're uh, doing. You know, it's, uh, it's a pretty special thing. And a lot of people, uh, you know, don't realize what, uh, you know, takes place after hockey and the transition and stuff. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a dark place. And, you know, for what you're doing, it's uh, like I said, it's an honor in Maddie's memory, and you know, it's almost like I got a piece of him back with you because you guys are so much alike in many ways, and uh, you know, like I said, it's it's awesome. Man. All right, well, yeah, no, so we're gonna we're gonna head out, we're gonna hit the ice uh, a couple hours here, finish watching the hockey game, and. Uh, you know, just wanted to, to say thanks, Matt, and thank you to Caitlin, uh, your girlfriend who, who lives here as well. So you guys have opened your doors to me, and, uh, you know, it's just been great. So uh, anyways, guys, that's uh, episode 47 of Hockey to Heroin, Road to Recovery. Uh, please, if you can, take the time to subscribe wherever you're listening. Uh, you can check out my website, hockeytoheroin.com. Uh, there's lots there, uh, still a work in progress, but if you're on your cell phone, uh, in the top right corner, there's like the little three lines you can click there. Uh, it'll bring up the different menu pages uh, for the podcast, a little bit about my story. There's a Matthew Lazinski page. Uh, and I wanted to remind everybody about the, the Pucksport Foundation Gratitude Crusade in memory of Matthew Lazinski. And we're at $1,245. Thank you to everybody who's donated. It's been unbelievable. Uh, we still have a long ways to go, but it's, it's just been great. Uh, the, the, the outpour of support that people are getting after the videos they're, they're putting out has just been incredible, uh, you know, but uh, it's, yeah, uh, there's just, I, I don't even know how to put it into words uh, every day. I'm just, I'm, I'm so blown away. Uh, but you can follow us along at Gratitude Crusade uh, on Instagram. Uh, and Facebook guys and, and we do need help with the Pucksport Foundation so please email us team at pucksport.com uh, and also yeah go to pucksport.com it's again it's a work in progress uh, we're building our list of uh, members and ambassadors and Darren McCarty is our chief ambassador which is really cool uh, so we're happy we're happy about that to have him on board and, and so many great other people and I wanted to share with you too I, I've been in contact with uh, 
Todd Bertuzzi and Brad May. And I don't know if uh, Bert is going to come on the podcast or not yet. Uh, but how cool is that that I grew up in Vancouver? I used to pretend to be him on the street and stuff. And now uh, he's, uh, you know, there for me as well. And, and Mazer is uh, going to come on the podcast. His cottage is actually close to where I live. So I'm hoping that maybe he can come out down actually in person and check out the studio and uh, and, and I can show him what we're doing. So it's, it's great. Uh, and I did get the green light, like I said, uh, for the three-on-three tournaments. So, if, you know, get your teams ready. Uh, and uh, like I said, we, we do need help. So reach out, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, I'm going to post all the links in the description. Please rate and review. Uh, and uh, if you have any questions or anything, uh, please feel free to drop me a line. I do my best to get back to everybody. Um, and if you're struggling, please, please reach out to somebody, if not to me, because you know I know how hard it is to, to ask for help. I was reluctant. I thought I, w- I could do it on my own. And uh, let me tell you what, I, I sure couldn't. Uh, I still can't. And that's why I have uh, the team of supports like Matt and other people around me. And uh, you know that's what the Pucksport Foundation is all about. So if you're uh, feeling alone or, or like you want to be part of a team again, well, we have unlimited roster spots, no tryouts, uh, and we are the team and the team is no longer there. So uh, we're growing the community and we want everybody to get involved. So uh, please do so. Uh, and uh, I hope you're all having a great weekend. Stay safe. Remember, no drinking, no driving. And uh, if you're not having a great day right now, that's really on you. Change your perspective, change your attitude, and have a great day if you so choose.